All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And God laid all our iniquities on him. Like a lamb they led him out, yet he opened not his mouth, and his precious blood poured out an offering for sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our punishment was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He had no beauty. Or majesty, clothed in lowly humanity, and though we saw him, we couldn't see the glory of his grace. But every law was satisfied the moment that. He laid down his life. The power of death was destroyed. The price was paid. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, our punishment was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He was
draw your attention to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter number 5. As I listened to our brother sing, I thought what great shame we bear for having done that to our Savior. The family of man was tainted, ruined, damned, condemned to hell because of our sin. And yet Christ willingly came and took our shame, our sin, our death, our hell, and in exchange offers humanity life eternal. <laughs> that is amazing. Don't ever let that escape your awareness and your attention. We deserve nothing. We deserve hell. And the hottest place hell could be, that's what we deserve. And yet for some reason, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. It's the very purpose to which we have been called. It's the very message these men will proclaim with their wives. And they will we'll dispatch them to regions beyond us. And maybe we'll see them on this side of eternity and maybe we won't. But we will have known we've invested in good people. Carrying the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. The thing about Brother Towns' presentation that moves me, two images. Perhaps your mind will let you recall them. There's a sea of men bowing in colorful garments, but all with their faces planted in the ground. Do you recall that image? And every time I see that image, I'm reminded that Satan hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. The other image from Brother Towns' video presentation is the little boy who's standing looking at the camera while those around him are bowing. And in his eyes I see a lad who is wondering, is there something different than this? I see a lad who's thinking, is there something more? I'm sure he's there honoring his father's religion and honoring his father. But is anybody going to get that kid the gospel? You see, this is why we're here. We are in the business of dispatching agents with the gospel of Jesus Christ around the globe to present such a message to say, hey kid, there's something more. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that will take away a man's sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that offers man eternity. Hey man, fella, bowing there with your face to the ground. The only hope you have is to blow yourself up and hope to attain Allah's attention and have perpetual relationships for eternity. We can offer eternal life because it's been paid for by Jesus Christ and it's a whole lot more peaceful of a life. It's interesting to me 
that we sit here in the comforts of Beckley, West Virginia, a wonderful town, a great state. And we're not really confronted so much with Islam. I was in a town in West Africa just a, couple, a month and a half ago, a town of a million people. In that town of a million people, there were a hundred mosques. A hundred mosques. And in that town, I can point to three independent Baptist missionaries in a, million, a town of a million. But there are mosques in Cincinnati. There are mosques in Orange County. Are there mosques here? Do we have any mosques here? There is one. You've been, Ron? Sorry, just asking. I just... <laughs> we live in a world that is changing around us, but we stand at the head of that path with the unchanging truth of God's word. Don't ever compromise this message to gain more. Stand true on the word of God. Don't be afraid. Stand up and proclaim the truth. God will always honor his word. Would you stand with me now for the reading of God's word? I want to say thank you, church, for your hospitality and kindness to me. I'm genuinely humbled by your kindness. I want to thank the Lord for these missionaries that I got to meet this week. Two of the three I did not know. I'm glad now I know them. I'm the better for having met them. And I'll remember to pray for them, and I pray you will as well. Luke chapter number 5, verse number 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a, multitude, a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he was astonished that all were, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand here tonight and preach to your people. Father, I pray you will fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to have recollection of all that you would like me to say tonight. And may at the conclusion of this service know that you spoke to our hearts from your word, that your Holy Spirit, who wrote it, dwells in our hearts, and is our instructor, has taught us something tonight from your word. Oh, God, fill me with your spirit. Fill your people. Thank you for these who've come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
Peter, James, John, partners in business. They knew what they were doing. But it was just one of those nights. You can have nights of fishing, and you can have nights of catching. If you've ever been fishing, you know it's better catching than it is fishing. And they just had a night of fishing. Hard work. Not the kind where we play at it for a little while with a rod and reel, but I'm talking about real man's hard work. Not motorized nets that they cast out and bring back in. Hard labor. All night they've toiled. They, you know, they've been at it long enough. They knew. Fellas, let's just pack it in. Let's just, let's just park the boats. I know it's not park. It's more the boats, but for the sake of conversation. Fellas, let's just put the boats up. Let's clean the nets. We'll come back at this thing tomorrow. The reason why I know they'd come back at it tomorrow is because they're cleaning the nets. If they had given up totally, they would not have even cleaned the nets. But they're cleaning the nets because tomorrow they're going to come back at it again. You're not guaranteed that you'll catch fish every single time. But that night they didn't. There was a reason that night they didn't catch fish. For God was working his ultimate plan in their lives. And all of their human efforts and, and experiences and even exhaustion mattered not that day. Because God had kept the fish from going into the nets. You say, God could do that? Oh, listen, God can do anything. When God wanted to pay a tax bill, he got the fish and had money in the mouth and pulled it out. God can do anything. You say, well, I'm on April 15th. I'm going fishing. Well, God gives you the authority. You go right ahead. So there the guys are. And they're, they're uh, sitting down. And they're just mending their nets, minding them, and Christ comes. He's by the lake of Gennesaret, the lake they just finished fishing, and their boats are somewhere along the side because they're in view of them, and Christ is in view of both the crowd, the ships, or the boats, and the men and the nets. So everything is right within this area. And the men are there, and they're washing their nets, and they're mending their nets to make sure that tomorrow when we go fishing, if there's any fish out there, we'll catch them. But for now, we're just cleaning. It was an interesting moment because Christ was there, and he is teaching. And you can imagine as the crowd is coming onto him and pressing against him, he's backing up. Well, eventually, his feet are going to be in the water. Now, that's not a problem for Christ, for walking on the water is not an issue here. But it was just the pressing of the crowd that caused this moment. And Christ looks around and sees these ships that have just been parked there. He sees the fishermen off to the side because in a moment, he's going to ask permission to be pushed out just a little bit further so he could teach. So all of this is well within view. And Christ sees this boat, and this is a, not an unusual thing, but he went and he got into that boat. And the crowd is coming down and they're pushing against and they're trying to hear Christ. He says, now whether he called his name or not, he knew his name. Come here. Could you, could you come over here and just row me out just a little bit? I, I, I need to teach these people and they're pressing against me and I, 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 water's not the issue. I can walk on it. Just, I just want to be pushed out just a little bit. So Simon comes on over and, you know, he just worked third shift. He's tired. 
He's ready to go to the house. It's been a long night. And, and it's going to be an interesting morning, but it's been a long night. And so he comes and he gets in the boat and Jesus comes and sits down. Now, can you imagine what it'd be like to be Peter at that moment? I mean, for real. Reach out and touch him close. Wait till he gets home and tell Mrs. Peter, you'll never guess what happened this morning. Jesus, the prophet, the teacher, the one, he sat in my boat. I rode him out. And so Peter gets in the boat and he rows Jesus out. Jesus sits and teaches in the boat. Why wasn't he standing? You apparently have never stood in a boat before. He was sitting. He sat. He taught. Finishes his teaching. And says, uh, before we go in, would you mind just rowing out into the deep and let down your nets? We're going to bring in a draught of fish. Now, honestly, I'm sure if, if we're anything like Peter and we all are of the same composition, you just worked all night long. I'm not talking about sitting in front of a computer all night long. I'm not talking about driving some. I'm saying you have busted it all night long. Your muscles hurt. You're tired. You're weary. You want breakfast and you want to go to bed. Jesus says, hey, would you row me out in the deep? Come on. All right already. I got you out here. Now, some of you are probably far more spiritual than me, but I'm thinking what my response would be. Hey, I'm tired. Christ says, would you row me out in the deep and let down your nets for a draught? Draught, it's a great word. It's a haul of fish. That's about the best I can tell you. It's beyond what you can imagine. Now, I'm sure Peter's evaluating and saying, I have fished these waters all my life. And you're telling me that after fishing all night long and us getting nothing in the middle of the night when it's the best time to fish, you're going to get me something in the middle of the day? A draught of fishes? you got to be kidding me. Hey, if he created the world, this one isn't a problem. Peter says the greatest words, the words on which I'd like to preach tonight. He said, Master, we've toiled all night. He points to his exhaustion. He references his experience. We're fishermen. We know how to do this. Master, we've toiled all night. What else does he say in the following? In, uh, is it seven? He says, uh, so, sorry, five, and have taken nothing. He said, now, not only am I exhausted, let me share my experiences with you. We ain't got no fish. And some of you, you just translate if you can't understand that. We've got nothing. And you're telling me to go out there? I know these waters. I know this. It, if it hadn't happened by now, buddy, it isn't happening. That's his experience talking. That's his exhaustion talking. Notice what he says. It's the next word that changes the dynamic of the whole experience. Watch what he says. Nevertheless. Now see, this word nevertheless is powerful in itself. Because right now Peter is pointed to his effort, his experience, 
and his exhaustion. He's, and then when I say Peter, you know Simon's name will become Peter. And if I use it interchangeably, understand, I know this is Simon by name here, but his name will become Peter. So Simon is there and he says, we've done all of these things. I have experience at this. I am dead tired. I am just absolutely have made my last effort at this. And yet you're asking me to go out deeper and go catch fishing, fish in the middle of the day. It's not happening. But what does he say? Never the less. It's a game changer. It's a word that means I'll ignore my experience, I'll ignore all of my exhaustion, I'll ignore all of my efforts, and I'm just going to do what you ask me to. Nevertheless, this is a moment that will change Peter's life. Nothing will be the same after this because he said the word nevertheless. Everything indicates failure. Everything indicates disaster. Everything indicates a problem. But nevertheless, it's like I'm already out here. Oh, it's a few more rowing the boats out just a little bit further. I mean, this is going to be a great story to tell. And if he's wrong, I can just say, nah, 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 nah. I told you there was no fish out here. But so he just simply rolls out. Nevertheless, watch what he says. At thy word, I will let down the net. It's interesting to me, the life lessons that we'll gain from this if we just take heed. So Peter, he rose out deep. He knows the waters. He'd just come back in. And I'm sure James and John are over here wondering, what's he doing? It's like, he's showboating. That's what he's doing. Taking Jesus out for a little tour and then come back in. And then all of a sudden, he's headed out a little deeper. And they're obviously paying attention because now he's out there deeper with Jesus. And he says, let down your nets. So Peter starts chucking the net down, dropping the net, working the loop as they typically would do. This is not just like a little dip net for an aquarium, boys. This is the big stuff. And they, they run this net all the way around like they would. And I'm sure James and John are thinking, okay, why is he fishing now? We just finished and concluded there's no use in doing this. Runs the net, gets it all out. Now, all night long, the divine command had gone out to the school of fishes. In the university of fishes, the, school, the command had gone out. Nobody goes near the net. The divine hand of God has stopped all fishes and their movements toward the nets of the fishermen. You say, do you think God's absolutely true? God controls it all. And stop those fishes from going into those nets that night. And in frustration, now Peter is out there and he's dropping their nets. And Jesus says, okay, haul it in. The divine command goes out from heaven to all the entire school of fishes in the lake of Gennesaret and says, swim, boys, swim, head to the net now. And the fish start moving and they start moving and they're rushing toward the net. And all of a sudden they're bursting against that net. Just keep swimming, just keep... No, they, they, they head toward that net and the net's starting to stretch and break and Peter's saying, what in the world? Where have these fishes been all night? And God releases the command and says, the fish are on the way, just haul it in. And he starts going and he's pulling it in and the net is starting to break and it's starting... James, John, come help me! 
and they get out there and they're saying, what a haul of fishes we're going to get. And they begin to haul all these fishes in. Y'all like this? I love this. The fishes are filling the nets. After all, Jesus said, I mean, this should be no surprise. He said, let down your nets for a draught. Wouldn't have happened unless one guy said, nevertheless, I'll just do what you say. Everything indicates clear failure. Nothing here is going to make any sense if I do this. But because who it is is telling me what to do, I'm going to do it. Those fishes are there, and they're fighting for the opportunity to get into the net that Jesus has appointed. The school of fishes have come, and they're there, and they're breaking the nets, and more nets are going out, and James and John are there. They're trying to get this haul of fishes in. The draught is there, and they're pulling it up. They get the fishes in. Now, you think about this. They're fishermen. What's their livelihood? Bringing the fish in, selling it, making money. Can you imagine the businessman side of this thing? Oh, it's ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. This is it. We're in. We got it. We're going to make it. They get all those fish in. And they get the draught that Christ promised. Let me hit pause and teach you three things. Number one. The nevertheless moments come in our lives from time to time. Moments where we are at our exhaustion, we've expended all of our efforts, and our experience tells us this is not the right time. But at a certain point, you have to recognize that God will nudge our hearts and say to us, yeah, but go ahead and do it anyway. And it's at that moment of absolute surrender where we have to say, nevertheless, I will. I believe your faith promise is a nevertheless moment. Gas prices are at their highest. The economy is uncertain. The national debt is at its greatest level. We don't know what will happen in November. We have, November's when we vote. Christians vote. Just checking you out. I have no idea what the economic indicators are going to be, except everything points to failure. But your faith promise commitment is one of those things that says, I ignore past efforts. I ignore past experiences. I ignore all of this, and I'm just going to simply say, nevertheless, I will. Three things. Let me give them to you. Number one, nevertheless, moments come. And when they do, we need to make our resources available to him. He said, at thy word. God's word is enough for me to make my resources available to him. Peter said, here's my ship. Here's my net. Here's my time. He committed all resources to God at his nevertheless moment. Number two. You see how fast this is going? Number two. God's word is enough that not only I make my resources available to him, nevertheless, at thy word, number two, God's word is enough for me to believe that he's God. 
That's it. Just to simply say, if God is indicating for me to... Let's make the application of faith promise. If God is indicating to me, this is what I ought to do. God's word is enough for me to believe he's God. Peter had no real solid reason to say we're going to go deeper and we're going fishing after fishing all night. But the divine command was, go. And he went. Drop, and he dropped. Haul, and he hauled. His blessings were so great, he had to have others to help him haul it in. God's word is enough for me to make my resources available to him. God's word is enough for me to believe that he's God. God's word is enough, number three, for me to make a commitment to him. He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will. What is I will? But a commitment, a promise. I'll do this. That's where we are tonight. Oh, so I, I, I left the fish. They're up on the beach. Let me go back to them because they're flopping around. I got to finish them up. I don't know if they ever had a haul of fishes like this, but this is the time to go out at the top of your game. And they haul these fishes in, and there they are. I'm sure that the crowd that had been there for Jesus' teaching is still there spectating, watching this whole thing. And now the largest haul of fishes that as far as we know recorded in Scripture has taken place. And here they are, nets filled with fish. God authorized the entire university of fishes to hit the nets. They did. They hauled them in. They're there. Peter, James, and John come up, moor the boats, look at the fishes, and said, I quit. I'm going with him. Wherever he goes, I'm going. Whatever he wants, I'm doing. Because if I can fish all night in my own effort and get nothing, and yet simply at his word, have all the blessings that I would ever need to sustain my family, I'm in. Wherever he's going, I'm going. Whatever he wants, I want. Whatever he does, I want to do. Because that's God. You see, God's word has to be enough for you to simply say, here's my resources. I believe you're God. I commit to you whatever you want. And that's this pattern. My resources, your God, I will. And when they brought their, fish, their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Why? Because in the verse before he said, Wait till I show you how to catch men. Do you know what the faith promise does? It catches men. But you're here tonight. And you're at the place in your life where you're evaluating. What am I doing? Why am I here? Where am I going? Can I tell you something? Give God your life. Whatever he nudges you to do, do. And you'll never, ever regret I, I fear 
when I hear people talk about, I gave up this, and I gave up that, and I've suffered. I gave up hell. A really hot spot to be for eternity. I gave that up. I get to go to heaven. I get to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. I get to speak to people and encourage them to be involved in missions. Don't tell me I gave up anything. I didn't give up a thing. This is the best thing going. There is nothing better than service to our God. There is nothing more wonderful than to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is not second class settling business. This is an upgrade. You could pursue whatever it is you feel like God wants you to pursue, that you feel like you ought to pursue, but if God steps in and says, I want you, best thing for you to do is simply say, here's my net, here's my ship, here's me, I'm going with you. There's nothing greater than serving God. And any parent that would quarrel with their child about a child who wanted to surrender and serve God. There's a carnal part of me that wants to say, meet me out back. That's the carnal part. Let me give you the preacher part. I ask you, would you rather have your child do what God wants them to do and make a difference in eternity than you have them do what you want them to do and miss God? We're at a nevertheless moment, church. Let's commit our resources. Let's believe he's God and make the commitment to him. Whether it's your wallet, your children, your life, let's do right by God. God's word is enough for me to make my resources available to him. God's word is enough for me to believe he's God. God's word is enough for me to make whatever commitment he wants from me. Is God's word enough for you? Because if God's word's not enough for you, you're in the wrong place. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed, none looking around a Musician to come to the piano, no singing, just piano tonight. If the song could be I Surrender All, it would be great, okay? Dear Father, I tried my hardest tonight to share what you laid on my heart. Your people listened with interest tonight, but God, all of it would be in vain if we didn't make a heartfelt commitment this evening. That at this nevertheless moment, when all economic indicators 